This is Brother John Metter, and I greet you today in the precious name of Jesus, and I pray all is well with everybody. What a great and glorious day to be alive and to be pursuing and seeking God's kingdom. I tell you, I'm just thrilled at what God's doing. We're thrilled at the way God is revealing himself and bringing forth his word. And you know, one of the first things Jesus said in, in Matthew six thirty three. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And what Jesus was instructing his disciples on said, you worry about all these things and, uh, you you worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, what you're going to eat. And he was instructing them on the things that, that God done for the lilies of the field, done for the birds of the air. And he even told them, he said that, he said, Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon... And all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So wherefore God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, or live ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And then he went on and said uh, about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is not heaven. I've repeated that and repeated that and repeated that and repeated that. And I've tried to make people understand that the kingdom of heaven is the resurrected Christ, the spirit of him taking his abode inside of you and bringing you forth in his nature, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his power and his authority also. Uh, people worry about power too much. I preach a lot about power because I was raised around power. I was raised around miracles and healing and deliverance when I started ministering back in the 70s. And then God put me out there on the evangelistic field in the 80s. Miracles were present in my life just about on a daily basis as I preached this gospel of the kingdom and told people, that Jesus was come to save, heal, and deliver, not just save. Jesus came to do more than save your souls. Yes, he came to save your souls. He shed his blood, but he also, according to Second Corinthians 5, came to reconcile or restore you back to that place that God created man in the beginning. In the beginning, God created man in his image and in his likeness and gave him dominion over all the works of his hands, according to what the book of Psalms says when he spoke and says, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou hast visited him and set him over the works of thy hands. So when God created man in his image and in his likeness, according to Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th and the 27th verse, and gave him dominion, gave him authority and power 
over everything that he had created. And then when Adam chose, and Adam made a choice, Eve was deceived according to what the Word says, but Adam chose. He was not deceived. He chose to hearken to the voice of his wife. And when he did, he gave away everything that God had created and set him in. He gave away eternal life. He gave away physical life. He gave away spiritual life. And he opened the door for man to lose his spiritual life. So God has come not just to save you from your sins, but he has come to reconcile you back to that place. Uh, the Lord dealt with me a long time back that when God created Adam and then he brought Eve forth and he placed him in that garden in the full dominion and authority and power of God, that was the kingdom. That was the kingdom because when God finished his work after six days, and which, if you understand the scriptures, the Bible says every day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. So that uh, six days that we read about was actually six thousand of our years. And at the end of that sixth day or those six thousand years, God entered into man and rested. What did God do? He entered into man. Man is his dwelling place. Man was made to be his tabernacle and his temple for him to dwell in. If you go to Isaiah 66, and right there in the first few verses, it says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the building or where is the place that you're going to build? Where is the place of my rest? God does not dwell in buildings made with hands. He may meet you there in worship. He may meet you there at a time to reveal His Word and His will when you come together with the body of Christ to worship. But man is His tabernacle. Man is His temple. I know it's in First Corinthians, and I believe it's in the 6th chapter. He said, Know ye not? that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, or ye are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ that has taken its abode in you in a measure. So God has moved into man, and He has created man to be His tabernacle. And after He created all things and saw that it was good, God rested. God was not tired. He was not weary. God does not get weary. He does not get tired. He does not have to rest. So when it says God rested, it means that the fullness of God dwelt in man for that period of that seventh day, which was a thousand years. And we don't know how long thereafter because man's days were not numbered until after sin, until after Adam was disobedient against God's Word. And when he did exactly 
what the Lord told him in the day that you eat of the tree or that you even touch it, ye shall surely die. Adam was not made mortal. He was made immortal. He was not made to die. He was made to live eternally for a tabernacle of God. But when he broke God's commandment and God said in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. And when that day happened, Adam died spiritually and physical death set in and began to rob him of the years because Adam had lived hundreds of years already. God did not make man. Man lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years back before sin began to take its hold in the earth. And I think Methuselah is recorded to be the oldest man there is. And I think his days were like 969 years. So God lived in man on that seventh day for a thousand years before sin entered in. Do you not know and understand that it's been almost 7,000 years since man sinned, since God began to record man's days. And when we come to that uh end of that sixth day or the end of that 6,000 years and enter into that seventh day, then God will have to have another vessel. And it won't just be one vessel. This will be a body. This will be the body of Christ. This will be a body of believers that have made themselves ready, presented themselves to the Lord to become the habitation of God and the very nature, mind, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and yes, also the power and the authority of God will move into these people and they will possess the kingdom. The kingdom is not up in heaven. That's heaven. That's a place. The kingdom of heaven, according to Luke 17, if I've got my scripture right, is within men. That's why Jesus said, seek it, seek it, seek it, seek it, seek it, when he said, knock, and it shall be open unto you, seek and you shall find, ask, and it shall be given unto you. He was not talking about salvation, he was talking about possessing the kingdom, he was trying to get people's minds off of all these natural carnal things when he said this is all you do this is all you do you worry, you war, you fight you labor to have all these things and he said then when you do all this and he said you ask, you ask amiss to consume it upon your lust in the book of James I believe it is but God is wanting us to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God as it says in the gospel of Matthew 6 and verse 33 but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness we have no righteousness of our own until the spirit of Christ comes into you and begins to take his abode you have no righteousness your righteousness 
does not come uh, through anything you can do. It does not come through any uh, anything that you can say, do, think, pray, ask. It does not come through works. Uh, it comes through the indwelling of the Christ. It comes through Christ uh, living in you and you live by His Spirit. You live uh, by His Word. You live by the very life uh, of Christ being made manifest uh, in your mortal flesh. You live by that. Uh, and you allow His Spirit to take uh, its abode in you and take hold of you. Uh, and you live according uh, to that living Word. Uh, and I believe it was Paul that said, uh, I in, in Galatians 2, and according to verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What was Paul saying here? I am crucified with Christ. He's saying, I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. All these things out here in the world... I'm dead to them. I'm dead to the world. I'm dead to all these things out here in the world is dead to me. Paul was a man of great position, great education. But when he came to know Christ, he totally turned loose of everything. He totally turned loose of it all and gave it all up. Let me get over here to Philippians, the third chapter. And uh, somewhere around the 8th verse, and I will read it to you. This is why I don't mark Scripture. I thought the Lord was going to take me in a completely different way. And this is why I don't mark Scripture, because the Spirit of God would just change it. And Paul said in Philippians 3, the 8th verse, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Everything I have in this natural life, everything I had, all my position, everything I've done uh, in my life before Christ touched me, before Christ revealed himself in me. Let's go back up and, and see uh, in verse 3. Uh, of Philippians 3. Philippians 3 and 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. But here Paul in verse 4 says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul said, I have more confidence. And then he goes on in verse 5, and he says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stalker of the house of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. In other words, Paul was saying everything I had gained, every position, every bit of wealth, knowledge, and education, my family, whatever Paul had accomplished. We know he spoke several different languages, so he had to be privy to education. 
But when the Lord knocked him off of that donkey with that blinding light going into Damascus, and Paul spent those three days there waiting for God to restore his sight and dealing with him. And then when he arose and Ananias came and baptized him and the scales fell off his eyes. Uh, and it says that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost that immediately uh, he began to preach Christ. Uh, I said he began to preach Christ unto them. Uh, what had happened to Paul? Uh, Paul had received a revelation. Uh, Paul had had received a great uh, revelation of the Word and the Spirit of God. Uh, let me see if I can find that. I know it's in the book of Acts. Uh, let's see, Acts the ninth chapter and the third verse, or the eighth verse, I'm sorry. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and he neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. This is the way God needs to talk to man today. And the Lord said unto him in verse 11 of Acts 9, Arise and go into the street which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for the holy breath and is seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. God worked this way in the book of Acts and he will work this way again. He will reveal himself in just this clarity and this nature and this divineness. He said it in his word. He said it in his word in Joel 2 and verse 28 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and upon your sons and your daughters I will pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. He said your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall See vision. So here God uh, had given uh, Ananias appeared to him in a vision and told him uh, to go to the street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus uh, behold, he prayeth, but yet on the other end, uh, God had visited Paul and showed him a vision uh, of a man named Ananias coming in uh, and putting his hands upon him that he might receive his sight. So uh, it's time for God to begin to speak clearly to his people uh, because we are moving into the days of this outpouring. Uh, so here's what Ananias uh, spoke back to the Lord and then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard uh, by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. Uh, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Uh, but the Lord Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before 
the Gentiles and kings and uh, the children of Israel. So Paul didn't only preach unto Israel. Uh, he preached unto kings. Uh, if you know your Bible in the latter chapters of Acts, he preached to Festus and uh, I believe it was Felix, the kings uh, 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 that was appointed over Jerusalem by the Romans. And one of them trembled uh, when Paul sat and reasoned of him of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For I will show you how great things he must suffer for my namesake. So in verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately they fell from his eyes and it has been scales and he received sight for with uh, and arose and was baptized uh, and when he had received meat he was strengthened uh, then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus uh, and straightway uh, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he uh, is the son of God what did he do he straightway uh, preached Christ uh, but all that heard him were amazed said is not this he that destroyed them uh, what's called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent type that he might bring them bound under the chief priest but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Jerusalem proving that this is the very Christ Paul didn't have the New Testament it wasn't written he had the Psalms and the law and the prophets and out of those he preached Christ but what happened to Paul everything came forth in him was revealed by the Holy Ghost that law those prophets those songs that he had studied for years God quickened it and made it alive in him by the Holy Ghost the Bible tells us the letter killeth but it is the spirit that maketh alive it is the spirit that quickeneth the word unto us and makes it alive and I believe it's the gospel of John chapter 6 after Jesus uh, uh, spoke that word to the uh, to the Jews that he was the bread of life uh, and that they would have to eat his flesh and drink his blood and when it got down to the end of that uh, many turned and walked away and followed him no more uh, and many said this is a hard saying who can uh, hear it and then he looked at Peter uh, and the other disciples and he said will you also go away uh, and Peter said, To whom shall we go sin? Thou hast words, the words of eternal life. And Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. Yes, they are and they are life. The flesh profiteth nothing. Why? Because it is the Spirit of God that anoints the word and makes it the living word, gives it life, gives it power, gives it authority, gives it dominion. It doesn't matter what's preached. It's got to be quickened and made alive by the Holy Ghost, by the quickening of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God entered into Paul on that day that he was baptized. And Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Word of God came alive in him. And he began to 
declare that Jesus was the Son of God and that He was the Christ. That Jesus had become the very Christ. Are you hearing me? And it's time now for this gospel of the kingdom. It's time now for this Christ to be declared. Not just in word, but in power. That is what is so missing in everything today is the power, the witness of God. Let me go over here to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians. And let me read this. This is Paul's writing. And he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. My goodness, we've got such knowledge, such wisdom, such education. And preachers are standing in the pulpit with great swelling words with excellency of speech. But Paul said, I didn't come that way to declare unto you the testimony of God or the witness of Jesus Christ. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Y'all Pardon me, but I am sick to death of religion. I'm sick to death of all these sermons that have such great swelling words. I'm sick to death of the emotion and the dramas that are being played out in the pulpits of the churches and the lights and the sound systems and the smoke and the mirrors. It's like a magic show trying to excite people to serve God, trying to entice them with education education, trying to entice them uh, to reach out there uh, to everybody, to reach out there to the big crowd, the money crowd, to entice them with uh, great swelling words of wisdom. Uh, but that's not what Paul said. Uh, he said, I came in the spirit uh, of the Holy Ghost. He said, I came in demonstration. Uh, in other words, when I came, uh, I put the spirit and power of God in my life uh, into action with signs wonders and miracles uh, that declared unto you the witness uh, and the testimony of the living God lived uh, on the inside of me. It lived uh, down inside of me. Uh, and that's what I've come to declare because your faith uh, will not stand in the wisdom of men, uh, but your faith will stand in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, or them that have matured, uh, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Natural wisdom will fail you. Man's wisdom will fail you. But the wisdom of God, which is spiritual, will not fail you. And it's time to get the testimony of the resurrected Christ and the living God back in our lives, back in our souls, back in our homes, back in our hearts, back in our churches. It's time to get the Spirit of God back in our homes in prayer and Bible study and seeking God. And when we go to the house of God, we are prepared to be used of God. We are prepared for God to set down in us and give us utterance because we have went to the house of God unprepared. 
time. We haven't walked into the house of God dead and beat down and struggling. But we are going in there alive, quickened by the Holy Ghost, quickened by the Spirit of God, made alive in His Word, made alive in His Spirit, by the Spirit and the power of the resurrected Christ. Is anybody hearing me today? Is anybody hearing me? Paul said this. He said that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I know I get so sick of hearing it. Brother Metter, the greatest miracle is the salvation of the soul. Yes, the salvation of the soul is the most important thing. But Jesus did not stop with salvation. The apostles in the early church uh, did not stop with salvation. Men down through the years, uh, like Smith Wigglesworth and, and uh, the, the men I was around in the uh, 50s that I was raised up under, like Oral Roberts, A.A. A. Allen, Jack Cohen, William Brannan, uh, they preached a gospel of salvation, uh, but they preached a gospel that demonstrated the power of God. Uh, Jesus came uh, to bring salvation. But did you know salvation uh, in the original Greek means sozo, S-O-Z-O, which means healing for the soul, the mind, and the body. This is Brother Metter, and I see that our time has quickly got away from us. I tell you, I love the working of the Spirit of God, and I'm going to encourage you uh, to go to our website, which is man sent from God, M-A-N-S-E-N-T-F-R-O-M-G-O-D dot O-R-G. There you will find uh, all the information about our church, about our broadcast, about our YouTube channel, about where we will be in coming days. And we encourage you to email us. There is a donate button there that you can donate by PayPal. You can donate by debit card. I believe it's on there. She got it fixed. If y'all have Apple Pay, you can write us a letter. Our mailing address is there. You can email us. Everything is there to hear from you. We love you. We appreciate you. And may God bless you and be with you until our next broadcast.